0: Today's scripture reading is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire, and darkness, and gloom, and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given." If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to
1: God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we call upon you to reveal yourself to us so that we may be changed, so that we may see who we truly are in light of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let us not believe the lies of the world and believe what, and let them define us, but may you, O oh God, define us through your son, Jesus. Father, as Lord, we hear your word, may the spirit do its work in our souls and our hearts so that we may see you clearly, give you glory, and become more and more in the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, O oh God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. An important spiritual discipline uh, that we need to talk about as a church is attending the Sunday service. And um, I think this is a really important spiritual discipline, so important I would even dare say it is probably the most important spiritual discipline a Christian can engage in. So much so, I would say that a person attending a worship service every week is probably in a better state spiritually than a person who reads their Bible every day, prays every day, but does not attend a worship service. That is how important I believe the worship service is to the Christian life and to the Christian soul now I know as I say that a lot of us have a gut reaction even when I say it I have a gut reaction I said oh here comes the legalism because we've grown up in that culture right most of the times when we talked about the Sunday service we often talked about what we could not do you cannot go out to eat you can't watch NFL you can't buy that toy from Toys R Us that's me more working out my own childhood But you can't do these things. And I would say even at best, the church leadership has been confusing in its message of what the Sunday service actually is. And so if you're sitting there thinking, uh, coming to Sunday service, I don't know if it's that important. I don't blame you. You can put the blame on the church leaders and what they have taught in their confusing message. And why do pastors often disagree about the importance of Sunday service? Because we have passages like Mark 2, where the Pharisees attack Jesus and say, Jesus, you picking grain on the Sabbath? You should know better. And Jesus rebukes the Pharisees and say, you do not understand the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord over Sabbath. Or there's that other episode in Luke 14, where Jesus heals a person And the Pharisees come out and say, gotcha, you worked on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, no, you still don't understand the Sabbath. It's not about following these rules. Now, so everyone reads these passages and no one wants to be on team Pharisee. No one wants to be that person saying, Jesus, see, you're just like the Pharisee attacking Jesus for not following the Sabbath. But one thing we cannot do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. Jesus did not come to eliminate the Sabbath. He came to reteach it, to fulfill it, to explain to everybody what the Sabbath truly is. You see, Jesus upheld the Ten Commandments. And if you see that the fourth commandment of the Ten is to keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, my mom asked me this week what I was preaching on. I said, oh, why people should go to church on Sundays. And she says, that's Old Testament stuff. (laughs) But, But that is the sentiment. She goes every Sunday to church. But she just says, I would never hold a person to go on Sunday every week. It's because it is in the Old Covenant. But yet we don't treat any of the Ten Commandments like that. And I want to quickly look at this, and I think it's important for us to show that there sometimes is an inconsistency of how we apply the fourth commandment. The first commandment being, you shall have no other gods before me. That is still in effect for Christians today. You you cannot have other gods. You must only have God. You shall not have any images and worship them. That still applies to the Christian today. Third one. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Still applies today. You cannot take the Lord's name in vain. You need to give praise to God. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath. We'll hold on that one because that's the one in question. Fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. Most people would say that is still in effect today. You honor your mother and father. That is not an option. Murder. Murder is still not acceptable. To anybody, really. Christians especially, you shall not murder. We are still not allowed to commit adultery. We still don't have the green light to steal. You can't lie and bear false witness. And you cannot covet your neighbor's house. So you see all Ten Commandments still apply and everyone say, absolutely. And no one would call someone a legalist for saying, stay with your wife or your husband. That's not legalism. That is something that, the God, that God desires of his people. And so in the same way, the fourth commandment is keep the Sabbath holy. It is a requirement that God still longs for his people. But here's the question. How do you keep the Sabbath holy? And that's where we go off into different things. Now, I'm not going to tell you what you can and cannot do. Because I think that needs a bigger discussion and something that I can't address here in a 25-minute sermon. But I can describe to you what the book of Hebrews shows us happens on Sunday. And you'll see that the talk is not about what we cannot do, but what we are allowed to do. And once we have that established, then maybe we can start talking about the periphery things. What is it that we do here on Sunday service? Have you thought about that? Maybe you've just gotten such in the habit of attending Sunday service, you never really thought about what is happening here. How do we differ from a TED Talk? How do we differ from a college lecture? Do we differ from a college lecture? Do we differ any way from any of these other events that have better speakers and are more motivational? And so these are things that sometimes we just assume, I go to church on Sunday, and I guarantee you a lot of people don't have a real reason of why they do so. habit it. So that's fine. So in, in this, today's teaching, everyone has a past, regardless of what your view on Sabbath or what your practice was now, that's not what's important. It's as we move forward as a church, what is our understanding of the Sunday worship service, and here the Hebrew author addresses it. But first he addresses it by explaining what the Sunday service is not. Verse 18, he says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses says, I tremble with fear. And it's important to read those verses. First, it is this, for you have not come to what may be touched. Here's an emphasis that this is not another worldly activity. That line alone shows us that we are different than just a regular conference or lecture. Something special happens here at the Sunday service because it is not of this world. We do not come to Mount, and it's not here, but this is what it's implying, we do not come to Mount Sinai. This whole episode where Moses is trembling and where animals are being um, killed at the site of the mountain is all in reference to Deuteronomy when the people of egypt when the people of israel were freed from egypt and they stood before god at mount sinai and they gathered there before god and they trembled with fear and here the hebrew author is saying we do not come to that mountain and what does that mountain signify it symbolizes the old covenant relationship that the people of god were in with god and what was that relationship like It was a prove-it-to-me relationship. The Israelites were not allowed to come to Mount Sinai just as they are, or just as they were. They had rules and ceremonial laws they had to follow. They could not just come dressed as they pleased. They could not eat whatever they wanted. They couldn't just have whatever relationship they wanted. They couldn't just do whatever they wanted. They couldn't just make any sacrifice that they wanted. They had to order their lives in a particular way, And then they were able to approach God. And as they worshipped God, they had a sense that they belonged there because they did what was right. It was a, I have done this and therefore I am able to stand here. The Hebrew author is saying, that is not what we have come to. You do not come to church Saying, This is what I have done. I have lived a good life. God, come bless me. That is the old relationship. We do not participate in that covenant. We participate in something different. Now, before I move on, I do want to say that this relationship between God and the people is always misconstrued. I believe that when we talk about God and the Israelites people wanting God's acceptance, people always have this image of God as a big, bad bully who's threatening them with death all the time. And that's why they had to prove themselves and out of fear that they came to God. Because if you think about the the appropriate reaction to coming to God in this old covenant relationship when they came to Mount Sinai, the appropriate reaction. Feeling was fear. It was. And we see that everyone responded this way when they encountered God in the old covenant era. Isaiah 6, when Isaiah sees God, he drops on his knees and says, holy, holy, woe is me. We also see in Mark 9 in the transfiguration when the disciples see God and Elijah and Moses, they drop to their knees and they are in fear. And so every time people say that, they say, man, that, how could they worship a God like that? But I want to change our perception on that just a little bit. I even asked uh, David, when you think of fearing God in the Old Testament, what is it that you imagine? And he says, I imagine a technician holding two wires and he's about to get electrocuted. That's the feeling I get. And I said, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's the feeling we get. And I want us to re-examine it because I want us to see how beautiful God is. Have you ever stood in front of somebody beautiful? Have you ever stood in front of anybody that they were so breathtakingly good-looking that you could not say a word? This has happened to me. I was at Pinkberry getting some frozen yogurt when I happened to bump into Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) That man is beautiful. And as I stood there, I usually don't get starstruck, but I could not say a word. I just said, ah, ah, ah. (laughs) And what was that but fear? It was fear because I've... Stepped into some kind of greatness or some kind of good-looking person, and I was unable to speak. And, and I, I can just imagine if I had the courage to speak, I don't even know what I would say. I would probably go to Christine and say, say something to him. I don't want to talk to him, but, but tell him that I'm his biggest fan or something. And I think this is the... Th- this is how we have to view the relationship between God and Israel. Israelites wanted to be there. They wanted to do all these things because they had never seen anything so awesome and powerful, but they couldn't be there. They just couldn't get to that level. And if any of you have pursued a relationship or even pursued a job, you know how tiring it becomes to gain acceptance from an employer or a spouse. ...or anybody that you are pursuing, no matter how awesome they are. So the appropriate response was fear, but yet we see that the people could not be in that relationship with God. And so the Hebrews author says, we are, in no, we are not in that situation any longer... You have not come to Mount Sinai. You are not trying to garner God's favor. You are not trying to woo God. You are not trying to impress God anymore. What are you doing then? And these are verses come to us. Verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. When we come and gather as a people, we do not come to an earthly congregation, but we come to a heavenly one, one that will not be destroyed, one that will last forever, one that finds itself not located here on earth, but finds itself in the heavenly realm. And what is happening in this gathering of believers? You see, the feeling is no longer fear, because we are introduced to someone new or something new. See, at this gathering or at this city, we see innumerable angels in festal gathering. Maybe it's the modernist in all of us, but to be honest, I've never thought of angels gathering with us in worship. But yet in the Psalms and in all of scriptures, that is exactly what is going on. The angels have come out all to see in festivity and great joy to see what is happening here on earth. And why? Who do they want to see? Who are they celebrating? The Hebrew author goes on, is the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Do you remember or do you ever imagine yourself that as you walk into this service, you are the celebrity? The heavens and angels have gathered to see the firstborn, the heirs of the inheritance of God, come gathered together. They are shouting with great joy, here are the people that are going to be with us in eternity Forever. Why is the Sunday service so important? It's because we are reminded of who we are and we are royalty. We are the sons and daughters of God who have the right to the throne of heaven. And we have gathered not to say, prove it to me, but just to party It's a great gala that we have come and the angels are rejoicing and saying this is amazing. Here are the beautiful sons and daughters of God. And then here, listen to these next verses which gave me chills. Because it's not only the angels that have come. And it's not only the first assembly here on earth. But if you skip to the end of 23, not God. It says, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Who are those people? Whether you want to believe it or not, King David, Elijah, Abraham, your aunt, your grandfather, on Sunday also gather in heaven with us. Well, we have to remember that this is not just a worldly event when an event in where heaven and earth finally come together one day out of the week and they come to worship God together we are standing with david we are standing with abraham we are standing With all of them in heaven and the angels are rejoicing because the firstborn, every single firstborn has assembled. And they want to see what they're going to do and what are we going to do every Sunday. We're going to worship God together. This is an opportunity not just to be connected to history. But to be connected to heaven. It's a chance to worship with the saints. It's a chance to worship with our loved ones. Just saying, one day we will all be together. It's an amazing thing we do here on Sundays. It's not just listen to Jeff's rants. It's not just listen to David. It's so much more. And everyone comes here to see this festive occasion where people are coming together, and why? Because Jesus Christ has died for all of them. Here, the Hebrew author reminds us that this has all been possible because of what Jesus Christ has done with his blood. He has shed his blood not just for the people in heaven, but for the people on earth. And that is why the Hebrew author, if you read the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 goes on to say that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, They are not just talking about history. They're talking about now. And here we worship Jesus Christ saying, thank you, Jesus, for your blood, for all the sacrifice that you have done for us. We have become royalty because of what your Son has done for us, and we give you glory. See, we don't just come here to remember who we are. We also come here to also be restored. For what happens when we gather It's not just the angels are praising and singing, it's just not we look at each other and take pictures, but something is actually happening. Heaven and earth have gathered for this one single purpose, to hear Jesus Christ speak. And here on earth, Jesus uses his ministers and pastors all throughout the world, not just through ACC, to deliver his word. And as we've preached here before, as the word of God is preached, Jesus is present both here on earth and in heaven. This is the Hebrews' argument all along in Hebrews 1, verse 1. He says this, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom, through whom also he created the world. As I come and as I speak, my words by themselves have no value. But my words as they go out to you are picked up by the Spirit and they are connected to Jesus Christ himself. And so who we encounter here in this service is Jesus himself personally. And every time we encounter him, he is changing our souls. Yes, Jesus is with you throughout the week. Yes, Jesus is with you throughout your quiet time and as you pray. Yes, but he is with us in a special way that cannot exist without the assemblies of the firstborn. He is here in a special way, administering to his people and he is preparing our souls reminding us that this is not our home that soon the earth will be shaken and that is how the hebrew author concludes in this verse in these verses the earth will be shaken jesus christ himself will come back and all will be destroyed except the angels the heavens And everyone who calls themselves the firstborn of Jesus Christ himself. What we do here on Sunday is remember who we are as believers in Christ. What we do here on Sunday is be restored by Jesus Christ himself personally. To get us ready for the day when he comes back. What we do here is so much more than a story. It's so much more than earth. It is the heavens and earth that are forming and coming together. That is what we do here. I know oftentimes it doesn't seem like it. (laughs) If you join the setup team or anything in the morning, it just seems like it's not that glorious. The mics never work. The drums are broken. We have duct taped the pedal to the keyboard. It just doesn't seem that heavenly. But time and time again, Jesus Christ remembers it's not those things that matter. It is he who is present that matters. And Jesus Christ, if you read Colossians, he is holding the heavens and earth together in a mysterious and magical way that we need to see. And every Sunday, we need to come and open our eyes and see that spiritual realm. Six days a week, all we can see is earth. It is on this great seventh day that we get to see who we truly are, and what we're truly destined for. Can you go out and eat on Sundays? I don't know. Can you watch the NFL? I don't know. To be honest, I, I probably will today. But I think those conversations are important, but first we need to speak about what is of most importance. What we, to, what we do here together as a family and as an assembly. And how we are united to the cosmos above and below. And how we worship Jesus. My encouragement to you, it won't be easy every week. But it's to come on Sunday and join the heavenly gathering. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your glorious throne. Lord, and oftentimes, when we say that, we just think it's beautiful figurative language. But help us to remember that this is literal language. That we truly come to the throne of grace and you truly bless us. That you are truly here with us. That this is not some make-believe story, but in the heavenly realm, which is just as true as the earthly realm. Come together. And we are edified body and soul by your presence. Father, we are blind but you help us see. Father, help us with our unbelief and help us with our sight. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.